This is Homebuyer Talk Radio with your host, Mark Evinger. Now, here's Mark. Welcome to Homebuyer Talk Radio, a show that connects home buyers, home sellers, and home owners to some of the best small businesses in the San Antonio area. Coming up on the show today, we're going to talk about what to look for on your roof after a heavy storm. The idea is to try and identify serious problems as quickly as possible. We're going to talk about important inspections items that home buyers should be looking to have inspected before they close on a home that can save really a lot of money, hassle, and stress. And we're going to talk about getting your chimney ready for the cold season with winter coming up. In studio with us today is Carrie Copeland, a roofing expert and the president of Patriots Roofing, a company that is unapologetically American. Carrie, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Mark. Great to be here. Also in the studio with us today is Mike Marlowe, an expert home inspector and the owner of Veteran Home Inspections. Mike, welcome back to the show. Yeah, good to be here. And we have Paul Pacheco, an expert handyman and the owner of PJP Handyman Services. Paul, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Mark, for having me. All right, buddy. A quick reminder for our listeners that you can catch video and podcast versions of the show anytime by visiting our website at homebuyertalkradio.com. Also on our website is a list of recurring guests on our show, which helps a lot. If you don't catch their information during the show, you can go to homebuyertalkradio.com and find them there. The show reaches thousands of listeners each month on radio here in the greater San Antonio area and thousands more on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram, where you'll find short video clips from the show. So be sure you're following us on social media. You can get to all of them easily by going to homebuyer.radio.com and clicking on those fancy, colorful little icons. It's kind of fun when you talk to somebody who's heard you on the radio. It was like out of nowhere, like the guy we had lunch with the other day. He's like, oh, I've heard that show. And I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. (laughs) I listen to KTSA all the time. So, all right, first up on the show is Kerry Copeland, an expert roofer and the president of Patriots Roofing. Uh, Kerry, welcome back to the show. Um, We're going to, so storm season's coming up, and I know you guys are going to be very busy out there handling all the calls and stuff that come in. So is it storm season? When did it start? Well, technically it's already started. It's been a strange year. It should have already been pretty severe. It hadn't been, so we're expecting it to, to get pretty severe. But uh, the the true hurricane season is just now kicking in. Okay, yeah. So. Um, do we have any storms that are potential? Not on radar? Potential. There's, there's one kind of trying to yeah. work its way across the Caribbean right now. Okay, so it's going to go up the, the uh, I guess, the eastern side? Who knows, right? <laughs> yeah. Maybe it'll come to the Gulf. I guess we'll see, right? So um, when it comes to storms, they hit the house. Sometimes we get damaged. Sometimes trees break. Sometimes they don't. And I know there's there's a lot that goes into that, right? Because trees can be damaged ahead of time. The roof can be damaged ahead of time. All this stuff that's happening that we're not even aware of throughout the year. And then when a storm comes through, we're wondering, why did my whole, why did my tree fall on my house? My roof's falling apart and all this stuff's going sure. on. So. What elements of a storm, I mean, I, this is probably a fairly obvious question, but I kind of want to start with some of the basics. But what elements are we looking at that can really damage our roof? Uh, hail, wind. Uh, if there's heavy rain, if you don't have your gutters clear or your uh, valleys clear from, like, leaves, things like that, then uh, water can start to sort of dam up and work its way under the shingle. So heavy rain sometimes if you have some uh, spots that, that are weak, you know, you could get something there. But uh, the wind can tear off flashing. Most of the flashings are aluminum, so that can happen easily. And then, of course, the hail just beats the asphalt, and takes the granules off the asphalt, and makes it uh, susceptible to, to the elements. And as a homeowner, as a fairly layperson, I mean, I'm learning a lot with talking with you guys on the show, and I enjoy that. But reality is I think we don't really understand the wear and tear that happens on our roof throughout the you know throughout the year sure and when the storm comes through it's not just water right it's debris 
And then it's how that debris is then affecting our roof because of wind and because of more rain and stuff like that. There really is a lot of damage that can accumulate on that. So what, what kind of things should a homeowner be looking for damage-wise or wear and tear on our roof that maybe we can get uh, identify early and get ahead of? What I would suggest for everyone is to, you know, whether it's an iPhone or whatever you have, create an album on your phone if you're going to do it yourself or have someone like uh, Paul uh, coming by to document everything, whether it's the roof, the flashings, the siding, windows, whatever, document how your home looks today. And then that way, whenever a storm, if you are affected by a storm and your insurance company comes out, then they can't claim that it's old damage or things like that. Now, that being said, if you do have some damage on there, you can go ahead and get that repaired and, and fixed. But then document that. It'll make your process with your insurance company so much easier. So when it comes to flashing, and I hear this come up quite a bit, right? So if flashing is not done right to begin with, that's a huge problem. Um, but like, so if we're going to identify what's wrong with flashing, for example, what should we, we be looking for? Uh, so a lot of times you'll have to have sealant with flashing, uh, let's say around the chimney. You're going to be talking about chimneys later. Uh, that flashing around there and then any sealants that will just deteriorate over time. Right. Uh, things like that. The boots you, around plumbing vents. Yep. Yep. All the that. rubber boots. Those, those actually need to be maintained. Yeah. Uh, if you have the rubber boots up there, they'll, you know, after years of, of exposure, they'll start to deteriorate as well. Yeah, exactly right. Okay. So, uh, and then flashing, if it's not, is, give me an obvious sign that a flashing has not been installed correctly. What would be something that would be obvious, like say around your chimney, for example? Uh, if it is just metal, a bit of, say it's a stone or brick chimney, and it's just it's just the uh, the metal flashing there, and just a bead of heavy thick caulk that's been done several times, that'd be a good indicator. You're actually supposed to cut into the yep. into the brick or the stone, and then you create the flashing that goes inside and inserts. It takes less uh, less sealant. And it's much better. Otherwise, it's just, just kind of putting a Band-Aid on something. You're not, you're not making it right. uh, secure. Well, that makes sense. All right, so uh, what about damage to your asphalt shingles? So obviously, impact damage, you're going to have granule loss. Sure. Right? Look at me. I, yeah. I mean, I sound like I've been doing this for years, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but also folds in the shingles. Sure. Right? You see a lot on, on old three tabs, but you can get it on an architectural shingle as well. The wind will come in, and it'll actually separate the shingle above from the shingle below and you may not lose the shingle, but you'll get a creasing in there. Mm-hmm. And so you'll need to document and see those things. That's, that's an obvious sign of, of wind damage. Okay. And why is that bad if there's a fold in it? Well, same thing. You're losing the granules and it shows that there has been that, that roof has, or that structure itself has been under a severe wind event. And that's just more documentation towards that. So Okay. That could easily just go to siding or anything. Uh, a lot of things you can tell from the roof shows what the rest of the house has gone through as well. Oh, interesting point. And something you had mentioned before, too, is look at your roof at different times of the day because of the sunlight. Why is that important? There's fiberglass uh, in these asphalt shingles. Sometimes, If you're just looking at it, if you're not up on the roof and you're just trying to look at it from ground level, then the different where the sun is at different times of the day, you'll be able to identify damage that you wouldn't be able to see it uh, when the sun's directly on it. Yeah, absolutely. That makes sense. Okay. Um, gutter damage. Um, so what does a gutter have to do with the integrity of a roof? So a lot of times what you'll find on the gutters, if so your roof 
around the whole perimeter, so the eaves and the rakes, you have the drip edge. If a gutter is installed that went through the drip edge as opposed to underneath the drip edge, then you've lost some of that integrity. You've created a place for water intrusion. So that's uh, making sure that that drip edge is is working with the gutter system or vice versa to where that water is coming off the roof into the gutter and not working its way back under and getting to the fascia. Okay, the so that's really the connection to the roof that's most important with the gutter? With yes, the gutter? sir. Okay, yeah. awesome. So I'd never heard that before. Mm-hmm. Mike, you probably knew that already, though. You probably did. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and then uh, so what about obviously uh, rotted decking? So this is a thing, but... How would we even know without getting up on the – you have to get up on the roof in order to find that, right? Because it will be like a soft spot or something? Sure. <clears throat> and there's a difference. Uh, rot, rotting decking is something that's just been ignored and not uh, tended to for years and years. But there's also if – a, if a structure has – sets on its third roof, so you have the decking that's on there that's been – you know, it's going to have knots. It's going to have all that in it. We've had several nails going in, coming out. You know, quite a bit on there. It will lose its integrity after a while, and you won't have a nailable or screwable surface uh, to to secure your roofing material. Well, and also if you've got a sagging or a some kind of a compromised roof decking, that would indicate other issues as well, right? Yeah, moisture, moisture, yeah, absolutely, absolutely moisture issue. Yeah, I see Mike over there going, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah you you, you may be able to see it from the attic side, depending on where it is and how accessible your oh, attic good point. is. So, yeah, well, or if you, water starts appearing in your house. You know, that's another sign. Where would you most often find a compromised roof decking? Or is it just, it, it can be anywhere? Or it can be it anywhere. Most- the rotting, uh, so another with insurance. Insurance generally will fight covering rotten rotting decking. Really? Because it's something that should have been maintained or, or looked oh. after. So that's what you have to be careful of is identifying whether or not it was, you know, that it came about because of the replacement of the roof or something like that. Or if it was truly a, a old issue that was that caused the rotting uh but like uh mike said it's a get up in the attic and you can see i mean it's a it's dark it's it's darker than the rest it's pretty black and if you're walking on the roof you can generally feel it if that uh, decking's not very thick you can feel when it's uh when it's starting to give yeah absolutely hopefully you don't end up in the attic yeah Yeah, that's right (laughs) (laughs) that would be expensive Uh, Gary, if folks want to get in touch with you how do they do that uh, www.patriotsroofing.net and my phone number is 210-244-3165. All right. Thank you very much, Kerry. Always thank a pleasure, you. sir. All right. Next up on the show is Mike Marlowe, an expert home inspector and the owner of Veteran Home Inspections. Uh, so, Mike, the real estate market is changing, right? Yep. It was more of a seller's market, and I got to say they were – I feel like they were taking kind of advantage of the buyers a little bit, but I guess that's just what happens. Um, but it's kind of shifting now yes, it to is. more neutral, maybe even more towards a buyer's market, and opinions are going to vary depending on who you talk to. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so uh, what's how's this affecting what you guys are doing? Uh, we're still busy as can be. Um, we never really slowed down through the through the seller's market, but we're, yeah, we're still doing a lot of home inspections and, and keeping rolling. Okay. Well, that's good. Uh, San Antonio market, of course, is doing really, really well. Yes. So uh, if somebody is going to buy a home, we we all know that they need to have a home inspection. But let's dig into that a little bit. First of all, why do you need it? And then let's talk a little bit more about what you're even looking at. You need it to figure out what you're buying. Um, we see a lot of seller disclosures, and it's very rare that 
the seller disclosure covers everything that we find on the home inspection. Seller may not be aware of it, forgot about it. Worst case, they're trying to cover it up. But you need to know what you're buying. Even if you're buying the house as is, you need to find out what as is is. So that you That's can, a good point because if, if somebody's like, well, I'm just going to buy it as is so and forego the home inspection, that's not a good idea. Not knowing what you're buying, yeah, I wouldn't do it um, with anything. So um, even if the seller's not going to repair it, if they come up right up front and say, yeah, you can do a home inspection, but don't send us a repair list, at least you know what you're getting and you can start – to build your repair list for once it's your problem and you know, and keep on top of it, get it back into the condition that you need. Yeah, especially, like, well, I mean, if they're going to use it as a, an investment property and rent it out, then they need to know what's my budget going to be to get stuff fixed right. as well. So I guess that would be pretty ignorant of folks to not. And what do home inspections run on average? I, 375 on up, yeah, depending on the size of the house. That's really nothing, really. So, um, all right, so you, they want the information so that they can make good decisions going into the purchase. They're aware of what's going on. Um, and so what kind of things are you looking at for, like, the main home inspection? And then we'll get into some other stuff you guys do. So main home inspection is going to be the structure of the house, the, the roof, the, the walls, the foundation, all of that. We're going to inspect the heating and air conditioning system, the plumbing, the electrical, and uh, the installed appliances. So that's your basic, you know, run-of-the-mill, like you said, home inspection. That's what we have to do on every home inspection. Uh, okay. Well, I mean, that's, that is the basics. But what if somebody wants to do a little bit more, like termites, for example? Yeah. So termites is a, com- or a termite wood-destroying insect inspection. is a completely different inspection or different license. Um, we have that license, um, and what we're going to do there is we're going to look not only for active, we'll look for past signs of past infestations, past treatments, and then just as important, we're going to look for conducive conditions that are things you know like wood-to-ground contact, excessive moisture, you know, um, vegetation up against the house, things like that. That are, I always say it's like putting out the welcome mat for the termites and the carpenter ants and all of that to come in and, and join the party. Yeah. So we want to control those conducive conditions so that we don't even get a infestation of wood-destroying insects before it becomes a problem. So how would you determine if a, an, a treatment has been done in the past? There's normally signs that there's treatment, be it the, the, green, the bait stations that you'll see around a house. Um, you can see the drill marks in concrete, like patios and all of that. Or yeah, it may be just as simple as the, the sticker that the treatment company left behind. Sure. Well, when you say drill marks in a concrete and a brick, what do you mean? So you, when they do a treatment, they'll treat around the perimeter of the house and they'll drill like every 12 to 18 inches, depending on the, the chemical that they're using and about a half inch hole and then they'll inject the chemical down underneath the concrete slab oh i got you yep. so i mean that would be obvious right for a long time that these are the treatment spots right that they've drilled yep. right very interesting so when it comes to 
vegetation coming up against the side of the house. This is a thing. So people do it all the time. Oh, Why is it bad when it comes to termites? It, it gives them the shelter. You can't see them. Sure. So th- if you have the termites coming up the outside of your slab foundation, but it's behind a huge row of bushes, you're never going to see it. Okay. Um, same thing with like trees touching the house. Carpenter ants will use that as a pathway to get into your house. And now they're coming into your house from the top instead of the bottom. The other thing is that, um, that your other pests, rats, squirrels, ringtails, all of that, they love to get into attics and they'll use the trees to, to get up onto your roof and, uh, and into your house. Yeah, so these are the ghosts everybody talks about. I'm hearing ghosts in the attic. Yeah. No, they're yep. just squirrels and raccoons and things like that, right? Yep. <laughs> okay, so when it comes to a sewer line scope inspection, you guys do those right. as well. So how is this different from the plumbing inspection that you would normally do? So in a normal home inspection, we're just going to run water, um, make sure that the drains drain, uh, and nothing backs up. With a sewer camera inspection, we're actually going to run a camera down the main drain line to look for defects. Okay. So, and like what kind of defects are we talking about? Um, Low spots in the line, um, offsets, breaks, clogs, roots, all the stuff that costs a whole lot of money to fix. Yeah, no kidding, right? And why somebody would buy a house without getting a sewer line scope inspection, I have no idea. Especially in the older areas where you could have the... Decayed pipes that have well outlived their their usefulness. Yep. That's good information to know. All right, Mike. Um, and you guys also do like mold inspections, I know, as yep. well. Lead paint, pool inspections, yep. and roof inspections as well, right? So yeah. uh, we're, we're out of time for your segment, but certainly more to talk about later. Always. If folks want to get in touch with you, how do they do that? Okay, our website, vhilc.com, and our phone number is 210-202-1974. All right. Thank you very much, Mike. Appreciate it, as always. All right. Next up on the show is Paul Pacheco, the the owner of PJP Handyman Services right here in San Antonio. Paul, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure, dude. So, chimney inspection. So, cold season's coming up. People are going to start, you know, I was a cop for a long time, and, of course, we hear the calls of the fire trucks are going out and all this stuff. It's like a lot of fires are, are happening during the cold season. It's because... Well, a lot of reasons, right? But one of them certainly is they did not make sure their chimney was ready to handle a fire. So uh, you guys do inspections on chimneys. So just give me a quick 35,000-foot view of what is it that you guys are looking at and looking for. Okay. The first thing we do is we inspect the chimney and make sure we remove that soot. Because a lot of the soot's what creates the fires. Okay. But we also do a visual around it. We check the siding. We check around it on the top, make sure the cap is functioning. A lot of times they're blown off or they're missing. Uh, We also check the bricks. Cracks is the main thing I'm looking for. Why? Because heat can escape through that, and you don't really know what's back there. A lot There's metal prefab back there, but sometimes you don't know what they did when they built it many years ago, especially complete brick fireplaces. So we basically do an overall inspection and make sure the damper's functioning, the whole thing's functioning. The issue we have here in San Antonio is a lot of people don't use their fireplace a lot. Oh, yeah. And then it gets really cold. I, I think it was two years ago, and everybody wants to use it. That's <laughs> yeah. what started this second business for doing chimney cleaning. And people were calling me, and I was stuck at home, and they were afraid to light it, which, thank God. Yeah. But there were many that still lit it. And 
I've removed nests from there, birds' nests. Yeah. Um, dead animals. Dead birds. Very common. Oh my gosh. Smelly. People complain about smells. And basically, if I'm going to do an inspection, we're going to do a cleaning as well. It doesn't make sense for me to. I can't really inspect it without cleaning it. Yes. So. I mean, you're going to be there anyway, right? Yeah, and it's not much more to just get it cleaned yeah, properly. Yeah. So uh, there's a couple areas that would be my biggest concern as a homeowner. Number one, it would be that it is clogged, right? That there's something blocking that or that the damper is not working correctly in the Correct. chimney, right? Because both of those issues, those are major issues. If there's smoke is going to come back into the house you know, and, and smoke you out, or you're going to end up catching something on fire that's up in the, uh, up in the chimney, I guess, flu. Is that yes. what they call it? Okay, cool. So those are the things that would kind of freak me out a little bit. So uh, you're finding dead birds, obviously a lot of soot buildup in the uh, in the chimney. Correct. Uh, what about dampers? What are you seeing with dampers? As a lot far of as times they're broken or they're just smoked out, burnt out. They're corroded. Uh, they're stuck, closed. So that's another issue we have. So they need to be replaced or repaired. Do you guys do that work as well? We can on the damper as long as we can find it. Okay. Sometimes they're hard to find. There's so many different parts there. You're talking about the replacement part, right? Yes. All right, cool. So when you guys clean it, tell me about that process. So when, as a homeowner, I'm thinking, okay, well, are, are you going to seal the front off so that it doesn't all come into my living room? Correct. Or So you guys, tell me about that process. We have a, for one, I put down a, like a painter's tarp. It helps absorb a lot of that. Whatever excess does come in, because it's hard to keep it fully off. Sure. And then we tarp it off. There's a cover that goes in front of it. And I could run my brushes through the middle of that cover. It's kind of like a built-in tarp cover that goes in front of your fireplace. Okay. All right, and good. I'm able to run vacuum or my brushes all the way up. Nice. But so we you, actually clean it from inside, not from the roof. Oh. So those you, days but are, you guys do go up on the roof. You have to go up on the roof, yes. right, to check the cap and make sure everything's copacetic there. Correct. Make sure my brush is there, and then we clean up whatever's in there. Yeah, yeah. So I have to go to the roof. Kind of like what I do with the dryer vent. Same process. So how do you, your brush size, do you have different brushes? Yes. Or do you have one that expands and contracts, or how does that work? Yes, there's... Standard brushes, most of them are 8-inch, but we also have a 12-inch and a 16-inch. Okay. So a 16 pretty much could cover any of them, but most uh, most of them are 8-inch. Okay. That's very standard. So if somebody is maybe a little froggy and they're thinking, that I'll just do this myself. Okay, so give me some reasons why maybe it would be better to have you guys who are well-equipped to do this as opposed to doing it yourself. <laughs> the height of a roof. A lot of people are afraid to go on roofs unless you have a roofer background or... Some type of inspectors aren't afraid to go up there. Homeowners going on roofs is very dangerous. Roofs like yeah. yours, roofs like mine. Um, and they don't know what they're really looking for. You know, maybe if you grew up cleaning chimneys like I did, we know what to look for. You know, we grew up in the north where it was very cold. Oh, okay. So, yeah. It's just, and plus the tools are expensive. You know, the, the equipment we bought runs about 800 bucks just for the brush set. So, is it the same one you'd find at a local hardware store? No, you, those are the wire ones that you got to do from the roof. And that's oh. old school method, which still works. But are you going to get on top of a two-story house to clean your chimney? Probably not. Not only that, but you have to plan for all that dust and yeah. stuff coming down. See, that's the thing for yes. me because I would totally wreck my house. My wife would be so mad because all the, <laughs> the couches <laughs> and the go carpet. Go. Oh, we got to replace the carpet and the rugs now. Yep. It's like, okay, well, you know, how much do you charge for like an average uh, inspection and cleaning? Average inspection starts at 149 and goes up to 299 and that includes the cleaning? That includes the cleaning. Okay. Correct. So how much does it cost to replace or to clean, even clean the rug in front of the fireplace area or replace the carpet? It's like it's not worth the hassle, especially an upset 
spouse. You know what I'm saying? No, (laughs) it's a good idea to do that. Just have an expert do it. Okay, cool. Um, So what about gas chimneys? Are you guys doing anything with gas or does that even make a difference? Uh, yes, but you don't have to clean them as often. Gas, um, they do need to be clean, inspected. We we could check the gas, check for leaks, um, make sure they're operational. A lot of times, it's more education, showing the customer how to light the gas fireplace, how to ah. how to work it. Some of them are spark ignition, so a lot of that falls under heating and air conditioning. That's where I learned a lot on how to work on those gas appliances. So not only will you guys inspect and clean it, but you also teach them how to use it. Yes, that's very common. A lot of people say, "I just bought this house. I've never had a fireplace." Mm-hmm. Or gas or electric? How do I use it? So what kind of things are you finding on the inspection of the gas unit? Mm, what kind of problems? Gas valves corroded. It's just totally corroded and we need to replace them. Okay. Because a lot yeah. of them are gas, but they just use the gas to light the wood. So, yeah, we, we replace those for them. Hmm. All right, cool. The main issue. All right, so um, what about freestanding stove units? Do you see any of those here in San Antonio? Mm, very rare, only mobile homes. Oh, that's where I've seen a few of them. And we do clean them. We have smaller brushes for those. So what's different about those? It's got a smaller pipe a lot of the times. It's in a different area. They're harder to clean. They're in a tight box. Um, they're not open with brick. They're basically metal. Yeah. Most of them. Uh, so you're cleaning out, I would imagine, soot, creosote, the same thing as same you, thing. You, you would find in the other one? That's the key. Yep. Okay. Do you ever find them where they're not vented properly? To the outside? Yes. I found, but not on a freestanding, on a home in Windcrest. What happened is, I guess they were selling the house, and they put metal flashing over the chimney, and they just covered it. What? And the customer started the house, started the fire. Thankfully, he started small, and it smoked out his whole house. And he called me to go clean it. I ran the brush up. Everything looked good. And then when I went to the roof, I noticed they just put metal flashing on top of the chimney. Wow. So that's happened several times. They just... Maybe it was a customer that had birds going in there, and they just covered it up. You know, we should do a, uh, a segment on the show. That it's like all the horror stories. Of oh, stuff yes, guys let's find. do it. Yeah. That, that would be fun, and, right? Let me know when to be here. <laughs> That's what. <laughs> and and we can up, bring yeah. pictures. Yes, that you absolutely. Can, oh. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yes. All right, so, uh, <laughs> Paul, if folks want to get in touch with you, how do they do that? They could call us or text us at 210-330-2820. Or go to our website at pjphandyman.com. Awesome. I love the simplicity of your website, too. And and vhiilc.com. And it's just awesome. And patriotsroofing.net's easy, too. It's the complicated ones that people will have. Like, oh, it's it's all of this ABC, XYZ. Yeah. People are like, I don't even know what he just said. Forget it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. As we wrap up the show, quick reminder, check out our latest podcast and video version of the show anytime by visiting homebuyertalkradios.com. It's going to be it for us. Thanks, everybody, for coming in. Thank, Thank you. you. And we'll see you on the next one.